0: Good morning again. I think uh, this, this passage is a treasure chest. And uh, I'm so, in one sense, I'm eager to share with you, and, and yet there's so much. Thing. So thank you for bearing with me as I continue to try to bring all this together. I just want you to hear one thing, is that God wants to have you think like him. And this is the main point of this passage, as we come to understanding how this resurrection changed Paul, and it changes us, we want to go back to one thing I, I always think about when I come to Christianity. If you are uh, like Ria, she'd always play the piano, or Susan plays, if I wish I could play the piano, some of you do too, uh, but you know, the piano has all those black and white, what are they called, keys, and some are sharp and some are flat, and Mine's always seems to be flat. I I don't put them right. I don't know how to play the piano. But the piano is a good metaphor for the Christian life because eventually you're gonna have to learn to play all the keys, and you'll be focusing on certain keys at a certain timing, and there's a rhythm. And but the idea is that there are so many things in the Christian life that you could. Uh, play with and focus on. But I'm calling this the middle C is where you start and end your song. Call it middle C Christianity. But the idea that for Paul, Paul's middle C was in Philippians. For me to live is Christ. Christ, 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 Christ. You start with Christ, you end with Christ. Christ is the middle sea. And mobilizing the gospel of Christ is the focal point that we always never want to leave that part. So in your busyness, in your world, when you get through with your work, you come back to middle sea. Just like a bird would return to its nest. That's where we belong. That's where we find our power. But... Paul would say, For me to live as Christ, but he would not always say that. Because before he met Christ, he would say something like this For me to live as Torah, to be the Jewish leader committed to Torah. Uh, Paul was changed. And he was changed in such a way that he would be elevated in a relationship with Christ that that is the example and model for us as Christians for all ages, that we too could play middle C and learn what Paul learned. And so there's some real exciting things in here. But again, what Paul learned is what we can learn through the Spirit, that he wants us to share the mind of Christ. In all Christians, Christ is present. In some Christians, Christ is prominent, but in few Christians, Christ is preeminent. So I would ask you, why is it for the Christian Church that there are some people who, have, who really are falling in love with Christ and want to be committed to Christ and dedicated to Christ, and they would say to live as Christ, and other people would say for me to live as Christ sometimes. Uh, when I'm in trouble. But for sometimes, and those are in trouble, they don't, they're missing out on something that Paul wants us to understand. And so I want to go back to what I said last week. What Paul came to understand is what we heard last week that this resurrection isn't just a model for us. It isn't just a myth. It isn't just a a mess. It's a mission that God's Spirit is out to change the way we think about who He is and who His Father is. We have a redemptive mission. And that's what Malachi said, For you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness, this one we call the Lamb of God, he, as he would touch the lepers, he would touch the blind man, he will touch you and bring you healing in his wings. F.F. F. Bruce called that uh, name the Apostle Paul. He says, now because of Christ, he was the apostle of the heart set free. So Christian, is your heart set free? Do You say your heart's really set free, not just from sin and doubt and fears. Is your heart set free to really love the Lord? That's what I bring to you today. As I to think about this mindset, it's not just having a different Christian thinking. It's having a particular thinking that says, I want to live for Christ. I want to love Christ. I want to spend time with Christ. I don't know what it means for Christ to speak or lead me or guide me, but I want to learn that. So we have in Paul the example of how God works to change a man who didn't know Christ. You see, Paul did not have the mind of Christ. And because he didn't know Jesus, he did not have redemption in mind. Paul didn't think about the restoration that Christ could do. Paul didn't understand the rejoicing mind that he talks about in Philippians, but he had a replacement theory. If you've heard of this recently, Jesus or Paul had a certain kind of mindset that was antithetical to the kingdom purposes. And he didn't have the mind of Christ. But he would say things like, they would say, they said in Char- charlottesville there is a there is a narrow-mindedness a, a dogmatism when they said in in charlottesville the jews will not replace us you hear that i hear that chant in my head likewise likewise that's not a new theory understand this racial tension It was not new. This replacement theory is predicated on the notion that white women are not having enough children and that falling behind birth rates because of lots of reasons, mainly because of abortion, because of immorality, no family, lots of breakdowns. There's lots of things that contribute to this. People don't want to get married Uh, They will lead to white women around the world being replaced by multiracial women producing more babies and thereby outnumbering the white population and threatening the white culture that they're going to lose power and control. This becomes a political strategy, which we're not going to get into. But I just want you to hear this. This is not a new tactic of Satan. It has been around a long time, folks. Remember Moses? Exodus one. Now Joseph, uh, Joseph and all his brothers. No, here's one. The midwives answered Pharaoh, "The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. They are so vigorous, and they give birth before the midwives arrive. So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became more numerous. And so, as as the king of Egypt." Uh, understood that the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful, he was threatened. That the number of the Hebrews were going to increase greatly, and uh, so much so that they would become a threat, that they would have to deal with that threat. That's not new. But understand that the tears and the agony, that when Moses' mother had her baby for a little while, and then had to wrap him and put him in... The, in the basket, Jacobet. she wept, as did Rachel, when all those kids were killed. You see, when there's a threat, it's a wrong mindset. But Paul had the wrong mindset. When Paul, in Galatians 1.13, he had that replacement theory, the Christians are going to replace us. The Christians will not replace us. We've got to fight. We've got to kill. And therefore, Stephen was the first martyr. It said in the Galatians passage, passage that Paul's own testimony, he was famously violent in persecuting Christians beyond measure, multiple times, a serial afflictor. This is not the mind of Christ. And yet Paul didn't understand because he didn't know the spirit of Christ. The problem with Paul is not that he did things wrong. And we can see his reasoning if he was a threatened man the Jews uh, the Christians are going to replace us. You you can understand why he would do that, but he was misdirected. The problem was an inside one. The problem was a mental one. The problem was a spiritual one because he couldn't hear. He couldn't see He couldn't understand even when Christ stood before him. And when Christ saw Paul, he met him in a way that radically changed Paul. Now, this was not the ascended Lord, uh, because Paul uh, lived uh, at the same time of Christ, but Christ, after he died, he ascended 50 days. This was after the ascension Paul was on his way to Damascus when he had that experience. But understand that if Paul if Paul would have just met some of these disciples, but he was too busy studying the Torah, he was too busy becoming successful, he could have been one of the Sanhedrin leaders. But Paul wasn't preoccupied with Christ, the Messiah, what God was doing. He was preoccupied with his own thinking. But if Paul would have met... If Paul would have met one of those disciples as a Pharisee, if he would have met Mark, he didn't meet Mark, because Mark uh, was a follower of Christ, He wasn't a disciple, but he was there in all at every turn. But if Paul would have met Mark, he would have learned that Mark said, "This is the Son of God. He's the dynamic waymaker. He was the one that would go out. He was the miracle worker. And in Mark, you see Jesus moving, touching, dynamically, moving, not still at all. God was on the move, Mark would say, and this one uh, would, would really understand. Paul, if you understood, you, 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 you haven't seen him in action, Paul. And he'd go to Matthew. If Paul were to talk to Matthew, the outsider, the, the rejected one, Matthew would talk about the compassion, to accept those that are unacceptable, the tax gatherer, the, the, the prostitute, the, those who, who are down and out, Zacchaeus. and all. Matthew would say, go and learn this, Paul. He wants compassion. He doesn't want performance. Paul wouldn't have heard Matthew. He wouldn't have heard Mark. If he would have listened to Luke, he would have listened to Luke talk about Jesus and his prayer life. My, what Luke told Paul later on about Jesus praying to the Father over and over again in Luke, you see Jesus not only healing and teaching, but you see Christ relaying who his Father was and how he wanted to do the Father's will. But if if Paul would have gone to John, you would have heard John say, Oh, Paul, this one is the word who has become flesh. And this one, not like you, Paul, this one has been dwelling among us. You've been in that Torah tower. And you haven't been involved. With, you haven't seen any of these things. But we have seen his glory. We have seen his grace. And he's the one, he's the one and only from God. You, you ought to hear him. He's full of grace, full of truth. And Paul wouldn't have heard this. Now Paul never met any, any of those four. And when Paul was 30 years old after, even 30 years after meeting Christ, the Gospel of Mark would have just been written as Paul would either be going into prison. So he didn't have a copy of those things. So Paul couldn't have learned any of those things that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John knew, except he came to know those things. Why? Because he didn't need the scripture. He met the Lord Jesus himself. And the Lord, what the Lord taught Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Lord taught Paul. The Lord will teach you. The Lord will teach me. And what John would say, No one has ever seen God. But the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, he has exegeted. He has unraveled the mystery. He has explained to us who this Father is. And in Christ, Paul saw the heart of the Father, and never before would he understand the compassion of Christ. When when John said, "I have made you known to them," he prayed this to his Father: "I have made you Father known to my disciples." And he was praying that for us. I'm praying that you would come to know the Father, Chesterland Baptist Christian. I pray that you would know him, and you will continue. And I will continue to make him known. Even to this day, he will make him known in order. Now get this, underline this. In order that you may, that the love that God, you have for me, that that same love may be in them. And that love would be replacement for a whole different lifestyle and mindset. And that I would dwell in them. Wow. What a promise. Christ changed Paul's view of God because it was the presence of the Messiah. Like Isaiah and like John the Baptist, when they saw the Lord in his full glory, John says, I'm not worthy. Isaiah says, whoa, I'm undone. I, and the focus, the focus that they had on themselves shifted when, the, when Isaiah was touched by the Lord when When John the Baptist says, "I'm not worthy," he says, "Rise, John, there's no one greater prophet than you. Christ affirmed these men, Christ affirms you, Christ affirms me, and in his holiness and his grace, you stand trembling in your sin, but no longer condemned, no longer shamed, for your heart is set free." because of this one named Jesus. And he is the superior one. Paul would come to learn and write about the sufficiency of Christ for me to live as middle Sea Christ. And therefore, Paul was changed in the way he worshipped, the way he thought, because he knew that Christ meets us right where we are. In the midst of our, our junk, in the midst of us being messed up, in our misunderstanding, Christ moves right in and says to Paul at the first introduction, Quit kicking me. He didn't say, Well, I'm the Messiah, Paul. I want to change your mind. He said, Quit kicking me. Why are you kicking me? It's hard. Paul, quit resisting me. And that's what Paul needed to hear. Christ doesn't mess around. And he gets right to the issue of changed. And because Christ spoke to Paul, Paul's mind shifted. And what Paul, you find in Philippians 3, is there are three things that take place, and it changed. The, resurrection, the resurrected Christ met Paul, and Paul immediately changed. and became humble. He became honest. And he became hopeful. This man, Paul, is your discipler. This man, Paul, gives us the model, as he says in Philippians 3. He says says in Philippians 3, uh, I do not regard, he said, not that I have obtained it already. I have become perfect. If there isn't anybody more perfect than Paul, perfect in dedication, perfect in zeal, perfect in the Torah, perfect in keeping the law, faultless, he's Jew of Jews. There's nobody better than Paul. And Paul says, I don't have it together. Christian, do you have it together? Follow Paul's example. He's a mess. He's really wrong. And then imagine, imagine everything he gave his life to. Before Christ, Paul's thinking was this way. Uh, uh, Before Christ, he says, you know, I'm right and they're wrong. I'm confident in my convictions. I'm doing it right. I'm doing the Lord's will. I have to lead the fight. His mindset was simply replacement theory. I've got to fight this thing because we're we're not going to lose this battle. Afterwards, on his knees, in his heart, he said, man, have I ever messed up? I was blind. I, uh, I was just wrong. I'm sorry. Can you imagine the regret that Paul had fighting Christ and persecuting Christians and the brokenness that he had? Paul shifted his thinking. He was no longer going to be kicking and being stubborn. Paul was radically changed. The awareness of who he was and what he was doing caused Paul to condemn himself. But in Christ, that condemnation would be removed. I am wretched and deserving of wrath. Who would set me free except this glorious Lord standing in front of me? With that, Paul says, I'm leaving all this other stuff behind. I don't want religion. I don't want to try to prove I'm anything or try to attain anything. But Paul would say, I don't have this knowledge of Christ. I want to know him. I want to know him and I want to know that power of resurrection that he can come into my life and change my whole focus from being Paul-centered to being Christ-centered. And that's what happened. Paul made Christ preeminent. And then he says, brethren, I do not regard myself as laying a hold of it, but one thing I do is I forget what lies behind. All the attainment of his religious experience, he threw it away. It was garbage. He no longer valued that which was not important. But Christ redirected him to that which really mattered. One thing, one thing, one thing, I press on. I want to know him his power. I want to know that pain of fellowship, what that's about to move in a world that's broken and in pain. I want to know what Christ did as he walked into that world and touched people. Not just to touch them, but to be present, a very present help in trouble. And he says, and this is the interesting thing, that Christ has laid hold of me. Paul knew that he was God's man. He hadn't laid hold of Christ, but God's grace has laid hold of him. He starts right where I am, messed up. That's what he does. And as he says, he began a good work in me, had this mind in you in Philippians 2, which was in Christ Jesus, that he's going to bring grace to the mess, and that mess is going to change, be transformed. And he was pleased to reveal his son in me and for me to live as Christ. What a difference Christ makes. And then when Christ would say to Paul, Paul, I love you, even though you're rebelling and kicking against me. When you are an enemy, I would call you my friend. That wasn't Paul's mindset. But that's the way God does. He patiently works through our misunderstanding, and he continues to pursue us, as the way maker, never, never stop working. Sufficient grace to give, forgive and restore. Christ showed Paul how he missed the mark. He had the wrong focus. He was living for himself. And he changed that to the right focus. To change that to say that it's the internal work that the Spirit of God does and that to live for Christ paul shifted everything this is what larry said this was what was announced in the funeral that and it's really true of larry crabby we were designed to love we were not designed to hate we were not designed to damage and hurt we were designed to love And when we do, something good is developed inside. Something is released when one Christian meets another Christian and the Spirit of God binds, connects the hearts. We feel clean, rich, whole, even better. But we become less concerned with how we feel and we become more concerned about how other people feel. And therefore the calling is not to fix people, but to join them in their struggle as they're walking, trying to wrestle through, I don't understand the Lord as Paul didn't understand. And so what we as a community of believers do, we share in this fellowship of suffering, supporting one another, giving grace to one another. It's a particular attitude, as Paul would say, uh, he says, Brethren, join with me in following my example and observe those who walk according to this pattern, this attitude which you have. This attitude, just real quickly, was, was the word he said in Philippians 2, have this mind. It's a difficult word to translate, but the idea of this mind, toto, this particular specific one kind of thinking is what God is after. And that is the mind, he says, it's a, it's a permissive, it's something that you have to say, uh, nemos but he doesn't say, uh, work on it. He says, you need to allow me to help you develop it. And the word, it says, all of you, all Christians, are to have our mind so directed within us that our mind would have this value to cherish To understand the mind of Christ, to value, you end up, what what, um, Tozer would say, that once you see the glory, you become addicted to the glory. You want to see more of it. And therefore, as we mature to understand that the Spirit of God is going to work in our minds and our hearts, as he did Paul's. The church, though, the church as a church organization may have a problem because as uh, Henry Blamier said this bland assumption get this this bland assumption that the church will continue to be fruitful as long as he goes on praying and cultivating the souls irrespective of whether we trouble to think and talk Christianity and therefore theologically about anything we do Anything we do or say may turn out to be, have dire results. In other words, if you substitute church, if you substitute church for Christ, you're going to have a different kind of experience. And so I leave you with this. If you're going to be a Christ-centered Christian, let the Holy Spirit work in your heart to let Christ be the focal point. If you're not a Christ-centered Christian, are you a Middle C church-centered Christian? Cause-centered Christian? Culture-centered Christian? Are you even a Christian? But if you understand Christ, Christ is the one that works on the inside to help you understand the Father who he came to explain. And that mindset is your inheritance, believer. So... Let Christ do the work. As We'll get into the practicals next week as you'll see how that is actually lived out in chapter 4. So read chapter 4. Let's close. Father, take these words. May your Spirit of God reveal Christ to us as you did to Paul. And come and help us, Father, have that same mind. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.